Hey, what's up? It's Willie Valentine, and I'm the newest member of the Freestyle Club. Can you get that gun away from my head now? This is Freestyle Club with your hosts, the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes, and CPR, Jose Ortiz. Warning, warning, warning. The Freestyle Club contains adult language. It is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to this week's edition of the Freestyle Club. My name is CPR Jose Ortiz, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes. What's good, you bastards? Joining us on the third chair, it's about time, Mr. Willie Valentine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you weren't going to mention my name and you were going to distort my voice. What's going on here? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Valentine Will. Stop playing with yourself. All right, that's better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I listen to you guys every time I work out, so it's, it's cool to be on here. Once every two months? <laughs> wow. No, I actually listen to you guys and repeat all you know during the week. I only work out for a half hour, so I can't hear the whole show, you know, during that workout. <laughs> this is the Freestyle Club. Anything on the forefront for new music from artistic recordings? I've been doing a lot of talking this year and releasing this, releasing that, and never really finished a lot of stuff. Um, except for one project that I worked on uh, with a few other producers, and that's Koala Bay album. So that's the only thing we released this year. And I was saying we're very picky with what we wanted to put out, what we wanted to work on, what artists. Um, and I didn't want to put out just anything just to release something. So I was very proud of the Koala Bay album. I like the productions that, uh, you know, we collaborate with different producers on the album. Um, but I just didn't feel like we had anything for myself or Cynthia or, or anyone else. We just didn't have the material that we were proud of. So it's been a light, light year, but we are putting out new stuff very soon. We just finished the new Lily Rose record. So we're excited. Tell us a little bit about the Lily Rose record. Who wrote the song? This is interesting. So my daughter's 10 and she's really interested in you know, dances were her main thing and she loves to dance. So I told her, do you still want to record music? And she's like, yeah, I do. I, I, I like it. Tell me what you like better, dancing or singing. She would like to dance, but I like singing is my number two. So I just kept asking her a question. If you were to sing a song, what would you like to sing about? And she, talked, and she said, well, dancing. So I told her, how do you feel about dancing? How does it make you feel when you're performing? And when you're and I just, just took all her word, everything she was telling me, and we were able to write a song from that. So all these lyrics came from her mouth. I just was able to arrange it into a song format for her. And she was involved through the whole process. If it sounded corny, she didn't want it. If it sounded like it made sense, she wanted it. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a combination of, of Lily, myself, and her mom, Cynthia. So we, we all put our heads together and we came up with a song. Now, how do you feel about the these young, new generation freestyle artists that are, you know, from between the ages of 8 and 12, releasing new freestyle? Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, I can I can really say that I don't think they, they all just say, I want to do a freestyle record. Sometimes they get freestyle remixes. So I don't, I don't think that they're going, hey, mom, hey, dad, I want to do a freestyle record. Um, I don't know if they really understand what freestyle is, um, but they like to record. So, But I, I, I like to hear uh, the younger generation record the music. Um, and I, I, I've met a lot of talented young children in my daughter's school who, who are as talented um, that should be doing it as well. So it, it's, it's good to hear young people doing this music. For me, definitely, it's kind of weird not to have a artistic release. I know that you have Koala Bay, but... You know, more directly, uh, Willie Valentin or uh, Cynthia Figueroa. I, I think 
with everything that's going on, that's the only thing missing that would have made 2018 a great year for freestyle. You know, and I got to be honest, I, mean, I did listen to a lot of the new stuff. There were some songs that I really, really liked. And I'm not going to say which ones I didn't like, but there was a lot of songs I didn't really get into. And it didn't motivate me. And usually I get motivated by other artists when I'm in this different mood. Like I used to do music 24-7, seven days a week. And now if I do 24 minutes a year, it's a lot. So, <laughs> But I have to be inspired now. Now it's not about I want to do compilations, compilations. It's I want to do a good record. And something needs to spark in me, like that, to motivate me. And um, you know, different records every year motivate me. I really liked "The Truth" by Diddle D. That's my favorite record throughout this year. Um, you know, it's funny. I met him one time in Chicago back in June for Tim Schumer's birthday bash, and Julio played the track for me. I was like, "Wow, who is this?" And he was sitting right next to me, and I'm like, "Wow, you sound really good. I like the song a lot." And I was happy to hear, you know, hear it being released. I saw the video. So I'm a big fan. That's my favorite record of 2018. And I just love the way that he enunciates Bastard. That's the kind of song that motivated me to do music again. And um, I got in the studio a few times. And I can say I've written 20 songs this year. You will not hear 19 of them. But, you know, it's I'm being very, very picky. It's not like it was in the 90s. I think maybe I wasn't as picky. And, you know, I've done hundreds of songs it's not like i've done 10 20 songs i've done hundreds it's maybe like five six hundred songs in my career already um and that's crazy because sometimes i'll listen to a song i didn't know i produced i'll it, you will play it or something on your station or or i hear it on another on uh, someone else's you know online station and i'm like that sounds familiar oh i did that you know so i've i've lost track of what songs i produced would you say that you're becoming more selective because you want better quality to come out because you're hearing not so good stuff coming out, and maybe that's making you want to definitely keep your game up. Absolutely, and I'm not trying to diss anybody. I think everyone should, you know, try to do stuff that they, that they have the passion behind it. Uh, and I support a lot of artists, but not every song is my favorite. Not every song I get into. I buy songs that sometimes, like you know, I want to support the artist, but not everything to me sounds good. I'm like, it's okay, and I like it for the day, and the next day I'm like, yeah, I'll put it into my library if I want to listen to it again next year. You know, I'm not trying to be cruel, but just the reality of it, there's a lot of songs that I just don't get into. All I listen to is freestyle. You know, that's all, I, that's all I've ever done in my career, with the exception of a few records here and there that were not freestyle, but my passion is freestyle, so. How do you feel right now about all these songs that are being released with the Planet Rugby? If I hear it has Planet Rock, I don't really give it much of a chance. And sometimes I hear a record, I'm like, oh, wow, it's a really nice song, which had a different beat. I've heard of albums that have nothing but Planet Rock. I have yet to hear the albums. I don't think we should be using Planet Rock. If we do use Planet Rock, at least sample it and chop it up, make it sound a little different or put something on top of it. I wouldn't. I think the only time I've ever done a straight up Planet Rock, which is actually sampling, was uh, Freeze Memories. You know, otherwise, I've taken elements from Planet Rock, but never used the full sample, just like using it, you know. Well, Freeze Memories was, you know, back in 1999. So, I mean, it's, you haven't used it for quite some time. Uh, people are introducing that now like it's just brand new. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, like I, I read things on the Internet and people are like, oh, you know, that's what people want. I, I don't think it's necessarily what people want. It's a, it, I don't think they've been introduced to other things, you know. Like when the Lizette Melendez Together Forever New School beat, everyone started using that. At, at that point, I think for that year, everybody was just using that, that beat for every record. And we're releasing it with 
the same sample. And it was actually sampled off of Zemma Lenders. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and that was actually told by a record label. Uh, I remember when I came out, I'll never leave you. And Mickey tells me, you got to put Planet Rock in there. I'm like, what? So I used some things, you know, from Planet Rock, but not the, 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 I didn't want to do that, you know. I, so I just took a different sample and then I put my, I sampled running uh, for Information Society as the baseline and put it on top just to make it sound different because I just can't do a record like that. And I had to like almost argue with making like, I don't want to use Flatter Rock. And this was in 1994 and I didn't want to use it, you know. It worked on some records. Because I liked a lot of records in those days that had the Planet Rock, but it just it wasn't for me, especially not now. I would not use it. I just think that people are lazy, and I people who are justifying using the Planet Rock beat in 2018 are just people that will support anything that has uh, the label Freestyle on it, and they won't they won't dare to go against the grain. And for me, it's important for us to create new sounds and make new stars and make new music. And I just feel like people are getting really lazy, complacent. And we've had some really good songs in 2018. But now, at the end of the year, they're being overshadowed by the Planet Rock concepts being put out in the last two and a half months. Yeah, but what's weird is if you go, like, to see to the West Coast, they like it. It's not They don't find there's anything wrong with it. Like, even when I remember in the 90s, I met a lot of, uh, West Coast artists and Planet Rock, no one cared. They were like, all right, that's the way it should be. Um, and I think that's what played in the clubs. And, and I think that's what people reminisce to go, oh, wow, that's old school. Let Planet Rock, that's the old school freestyle. When we know old school freestyle is Micmac and cutting with the hard snares and the hard kicks, you know, George Lamont and, and TKA. Um, but they connect more to that, that 808 Planet Rock. 808 could do a lot more than just a Planet Rock beat, but that just seems to be the only thing that people gravitate to in freestyle. You know, it's weird. I, I did do, uh, um, last year, I did the remix for uh, for Latin Nation, Better Than Me. And it sounded like I sampled Planet Rock, but I didn't. I didn't at all. I just reduplicated the beat. I actually sampled the bass line and then played it over. So it's planet rockish but it's not planet rock i did not sample planet rock and use it i didn't you know i didn't just loop it i actually played the hi-hats over the kick over the snare over the hand clap and the cowbell everything was re redone so does it make a difference maybe not <laughs> i don't know but um well, for me i just felt better doing it than just looping a loop well i i didn't consider that um straight up planet rock you know my my issue is them taking that 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 tony dr Eddie garcia kit uh, from Take Me In Your Arms and using it over and over again in 2018 and, and so on yeah. and so forth. And everything that has been released for one specific camp has been that, just consistently, you know, already 23 to 27 songs with the Planet Rock beat, just back to back. And that's discouraging because we started off 2018 with Alyssa B, Legendary. We started off with AB, It Was Love. Um, you know, we started off with some really solid songs. These are things that, you know, we need to take and be aware of because, you know, you don't want to regress the music when people were feeling excited about these new releases. I, I think the attitude, uh, and I'm not speaking for any producer. I don't I don't really speak to a lot of producers. Uh, not in a bad way, just I haven't had time. You know, I, I've been uh, spending my time doing other things, but I think it's just... Maybe they don't look at it like, I'm not going to make money off this anyway, so let me just finish the beat in 45 minutes and call it a day. I don't know. You know, Maybe they're not getting paid for, for a production, or maybe they're not getting paid what they want to get paid, and they go, well, well you're going to give me 100 bucks. I'm just doing Planet Rock. 
I don't yeah. know. I'm just guessing. It could be that. I'm not sure. But you know what? There's also some people out there. We can't, you know, sweep it under the rug. It's just some people out there do like the Planet Rocky, man. No matter if it's 17 tracks on one album or the next 50 releases, they all they love it and they can't get enough of it. So that's that aspect. I mean, me personally, I can't stand it, man. I, I hear that and I, that's it. The first 30 seconds, I'm done. I don't want to hear that anymore. You know, it's crazy. Something I hear, like I heard something, I think I told CPR the other day, I heard something on Facebook Live or some video that was on Facebook, I don't know. And I had the Planet Rocky, but when I heard the guy singing, I'm like, wow, this is a good vocalist. And I totally forgot about the Planet Rocky, but I liked it. And I kept playing the video over just to hear the song. Um, I don't know who it was, but it was a nice song. It was a, uh, a guy, I don't know, <laughs> but it was like R&B-ish freestyle. Um, but it did have the Planet Rocky, but I... I I think I just drained it out. I just listened to the song. Um, but I don't know who the artist is. Well, the only song that I've been able to play in 2018 with the Planet Rock B has been AP3's uh, Just the Same. I think that they did a good job uh, with that uh, one remix. Um, and, you know, of course, there's 16 of them. So they have the Jay Adams remix, which is not Planet Rock. And they have other versions. But um, I did like the Intonation uh, Joey remix of AP3's Just the Same. I think that's probably been the best representation of the Planet Rock B because they also made it popish. They made it um, crossover type uh, Planet Rock, and uh, th- it worked out f- for for that particular song. Subscribe to the Freestyle Club podcast, theunknownadmin.com, and CPRSmusic.com. Calm, 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 calm. I just want to make a, a quick left and because Willie had mentioned he had a fight with Mickey over, you know, some creative differences there over the Planet Rock beat. And uh-huh. it, it just hit me that we know that Mickey skipped out on Mark Anthony, right? We know from Miguel Reyes that he didn't take him either. And last week we heard, but we didn't even touch on it, that Tim Spin and Shoma shopped Law to Mickey and Mickey passed on it. So I'm like, this dude is just striking out left and right. Well, let me, let me tell you, I, I, I shopped my stuff to to Mickey in the 80s. This one, like, you know, first change on me came out. And I used to live in Chelsea, Manhattan, New York. And Mac was a few blocks away. So I used to bring demo after demo after demo after demo. And then when I finally signed with Mac in 94, um, actually, they were, they were trying to sign me in 93, but I was still in contract with, on a roll. But in 94 is when I signed. Um, Mickey never heard my songs. It's not, you know, I, I can honest, honestly say that not everything got to him. Like, he didn't get a chance to hear all these demos. You know, Mac was a pretty big outfit. Like, I used to go to the office, and there was the staff. It wasn't just Mickey and Marvin. There was, you know, there was an actual accounting person. There was a secretary there. There was a, a PR person. Um, there was a team in Mac. And when they got that mail, not everything came to Mickey. I can honestly say he didn't hear every demo. I used to be in the office almost every day at one point when I had artistic, and they would get demos. I don't even think they would even open the packages sometimes. Stars they could have had. I mean, Mark, I think yeah. had to open. You don't know. I mean, wow, dude. You know what, Mark, what it was, I remember, because I, I used to know Mark in the 80s, and I think people just, they loved his voice, and they just, they always kind of blackballed him, saying, well, he has no look. Don't even bother. And that's, that, you know, he, and I remember telling him, he, him telling me this, like it was so hard for him to get a record deal. You know, they used to make fun of him when he was on stage because the way he looked, and that was sad, you know, because the guy was super talented. I, I don't think they knew how to put, how to release a voice like that. He was too big for the music, I felt. It's fucking hilarious because he's 51 now, and he's a fucking sex symbol. And, uh, 
you know, people are oogling and ogling his latest video with Will Smith, for goodness sake. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. making out with the hottest woman I've seen in a long time. So, and he got J-Lo. So, uh, I, you know, definitely, definitely Mickey struck out there. I, I could tell you that much. Before he had J-Lo, he had Miss Puerto Rico, right? So, you know, it wasn't just J-Lo. And let me tell you, he's been, he's been the ladies' man since even before he was big. Let me tell you, the man... You know, in those eighty in the eighties when, you know, with the big hair and the big glasses and everybody thought he looked funny, he was still pulling the the beautiful woman and like artists that you I don't want to mention, but artists now that everyone knows who are gorgeous and he was you know, he was involved. <laughs> <laughs> he was introducing himself to them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was very jealous. I was like, Wow, how I gotta get I gotta get my voice game up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Freestyle Club. Topic of the week. Let's talk freestyle. freestyle. I want to rewind back to, to artistic recordings when it was artistic records. Where did the concept of artistic come about? Uh, we, we had a crew. We, um, if you speak to my mom ever, she'll tell you. Everybody used to be in my house. You know, like my mom and my dad were very, very... Uh, cool about that and my little bedroom in the project you've been there um everybody just used to hang out and we all everyone was into music and everyone bought a piece of equipment and put it there for me to to work on music for them so i had you know 10 different pieces of equipment from 10 different people to do music for and it was hard for us to get a record deal you know it took me forever to get a record deal with honor roll you know i started in 87 and i was shopping to micmac the cutting and and sleeping bag back in the days and didn't get a deal we almost had a deal with fever i still have the trophy too we won a contest but i don't know if it's cool anyway <laughs> we all we're gonna joke here remember lorenzo's law and say oh man we, we got the record label right here artistic records because we were artistic and i loved when he said that i'm like I love that. If I ever start a label, it's going to be called artistic. And um, the opportunity came. I, I, I remember being at Micmac. I'm like, hey, you know how you did that label with Cruz and Nelson, with Nelson Cruz? Can I get something like that with my record label for me? And they were like, yeah, why not? And I was like, holy, what label? Like, uh, artistic records. They were like, all right, let's do it. Get the 10, get the 10 songs, put a compilation out. And it was that easy. And then uh, it took about a week to get the contract done. And I have it right in front of me. I'm looking at it right now. This is the what did it mean to get a deal um what what does it exactly mean because some people be be listening and, and what what does that entail um what's the money involved See? So the one thing that I learned, it wasn't a partnership at all. It wasn't like Sony distributing my label. Because remember, Micmac was distributed by various distributors. So there was a lot of hands in the pot before I got any type of money. So a CD was sell for $15, distributor takes their money. Um, then it goes to Micmac, they take their money. And then supposedly it comes to me, then after me, you go to the artist. Well, it never got to me, but I, you know, I, I'll get into more detail when it comes to that. Um, so it wasn't a partnership. It wasn't like you sell a CD for 15 bucks, you're getting 750. No way, no how. And I think the excitement, I, mean, I, I was, I, I consider myself a kid still in those days, even though I was like, my, you know, 24 years old. Um, 
I was just excited. I'm going to be a record company owner. I'm going to be a millionaire. I, you know, you start dreaming like, oh, what? The, I didn't care about the points and percentages. Like, I'm going to make money. Make Mac makes money. I see what you know what they do. I'm going to be rich. You know, I didn't take it to a lawyer, and I should have. You know, and not saying that uh, anyone is a crook. I was just naive and I was stupid not to take it to a lawyer. You know, so I can't say here, oh. McMack jerked me. I jerked myself. When they say get a deal, how much money did they front you? Well, when you first sign, like with the with the with the artistic deal, there was no upfront money to sign with McMack. So the way it worked is this is what your points you're gonna get. You already have the artist because we did have the compilation. Okay, here's a thousand bucks. You know, just and then you know this is just an advance for your time that you put into it. Because in in our reality, McMack is thinking. And this is Marvin, because Mickey was more the production side. He wasn't really the, the the contract person or the money person. You know, his mind was like, "Well, you got paid to produce these songs. You don't need an advance. You don't need studio time. You're you're already paid. So everything else is going to be gravy, just royalties. So here's a thousand, just to, so you could wait for your royalties. When that thousand dollars you're waiting year after year, that thousand dollars becomes cents every day. It doesn't you know? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Um, the bad thing is, you know, you you sign artists because I wanted to do contracts too. And where did I get these contracts from? Micmac. I said, hey, can I have a blind contract so I can use to sign my artist? So I use the same contract thinking this is the right way to do it. Um, so I tell you what my deal was because I have it right here. So I got a, a 15% deal from Micmac. 15% off a CD when it goes off to the suggested retail price of $14.98 is $225 a CD. So I said to myself, wow, if I sell 100000 because, you know, you think you're going to sell 100000 I'm making you know, almost a quarter of a million dollars. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it never worked out that way <laughs> because you learn the business that, okay, you may not have gotten a big advance, but that $1,000 is taken away from any royalty that you make from day one. Then whatever costs for mastering, which was, let's see, another $1,500, $2,000, and then the artwork to be created could be another Fifteen, two thousand dollars um anything they pay for promotions to get in a newspaper and they used to do a great job of doing that that comes out of your royalties you know but i figured that should come out of the top end not my end only but i i didn't know the business as well as i thought i should have and um when you see your royalty statements because they do send you royalty statements or i used to pick mine up in person you you've always owing the company money you know, um, what do you mean? You had to take money out of your pocket? No, you just the, the way it worked about. Well, you know, we the first CD you didn't re make any money from yet, but you're gonna make it on the second one if you do better on the second one. I think the first one sold about sixty to seventy thousand copies. So you figure one hundred twenty thousand. I should have made some money, right? Because I, I figured two dollars and twenty five cents a CD, not including whatever I made off the cassettes, and they sold thousands and thousands of cassettes. But I was happy because some of my stuff in Tower, HMV, so I was, wow, I was ecstatic. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make money. So I said, no, you know, I'll do another album, but give me 2000 this time up front because now no one's paying me for productions and I got to buy equipment. I don't have a studio. So, you know, I put a little bit into whatever I could for equipment, produce another album. And actually, I borrowed most of the equipment or 90% of the equipment from Freddie the Editor Rivera. Did the album within a month, put it out. This one sold about 160,000 copies. And that's Freestyle Parade Volume 2, The Art of Dance. 
Yeah. And just to give you an example, and I really don't care, I'll say it right now. I used to date someone who was the sister of an employee of Micmac Records. So when I would walk in, you know, I knew her. I was very friendly with everyone, even the stock person, the inventory guy in the back who had all the CDs. And the accounting guy came to me and said, you know, did you get your royalty statement? I'm like, yeah. You know, I said I sold another 1800 And he printed out the old dot matrix printers, uh, accounting, and it showed a hundred over 100000 sold. And he said, just, just to let you know. So I really didn't understand either. I'm like, maybe I'm going to get that money later. Maybe, you know, it doesn't, you don't get it right away. So I remember having that conversation. I would make it because Mickey, not, you know, wasn't that in charge of that. So I don't, I thought to Marvin and I remember him pulling up the numbers in, in the computer saying, well, that's what, that was shipped. That doesn't mean it was sold. I'm like, so you shipped 160,000 hoping you're going to sell 160,000. Why would you press that much if it was in, in demand? So he said, well, you are selling better on this. He's showing me stuff on the computer. All of a sudden, he hits the screen, and I see the sales of 160000 Then he hits F something, and it goes back to the first screen. Go, no, no, no. That's a, that was a, the manufacturing page. Right. But I already had you know, I had the print out in my pocket already. I'm like, this guy's lying to me. The person who fucked you wasn't Mickey Garcia. It was Marvin. Not at all. Oh, of course. You know, and, and, you know what? And I don't even hate the guy. Hey, I'm not mad at him because... I, I learned a lot from this experience. Um, I remember the the next album, me going to him, and I'm recording this now with Edwin Ramos. And I can see myself not giving Edwin anything for using his studio. I thought, listen, I need more than $2,000 because I got to give this guy money. He's, he's, you know, I'm letting me use the studio for free. I got to give him something. So I remember he gives me an extra 1000 that I give to, to Edwin, which is still nothing. You know, and I said, you know what? I'll do this one more time to see what happens. That one kind of flopped. Told them maybe not flop, but you know, I wish I could sell this. I sold about eighty thousand copies. And again, flop. I'm like, with my royalties, I sold over almost half a million copies, or close to you know a little more than a quarter of a million copies of CDs already with three albums. And I remember him telling me, do one more album for me. I'm like, absolutely not. He said, I'll give you five thousand dollars to produce another album. I'm like, so I'm not selling CDs. Oh, I'm not selling units, but you want to give me $5,000 now. And he said, I'll never forget these words. I am a legal thief. <laughs> wow. I will. I have no problem paying you to do another album, but I have a problem paying you royalties. Never forget those words. So the man was a lawyer. So I'm pretty sure that I made a big mistake when I signed that contract. The bad thing about it is, and yeah, I learned from that, so I left right away. I, that, that was the, the last you heard of me doing anything for Micmac. Um, well, not the last thing, but the last thing artistic doing with Micmac. And I just said, hey, I need you to sign this release. I'm going to do things on my own. And his reaction was, oh, you, you, you wrote off my coattails, and now you want to fly free and do your own thing? I'm like, yeah, I'm not making money. My artists are now leaving because they're not making money. I'm looking like I'm pocketing money. I'm living with my mother in the projects, and now I am 26 years old. So let's stop here for a second because I want to go back to that. So you signed artists that you were not able to pay because of the fact that Marvin fucked you out of money. Yeah, I made no royalties. I remember one artist, Tamasi, calling me and she's like, hey, we put a vinyl out and I'm on the compilation with my royalties. I'm like, well, we didn't make any. She said, I don't understand. I said, well, we, we didn't recoup what was spent on this album. She said, that makes no sense to me. I have friends who record jazz and pop and they always make something. I said, uh, unfortunately, we haven't made a dime. And I have I have the statements that I received. And I still have them to this day. You know, um, I don't ever go, hey, where's my money? 
you know, I I remember after me cutting away from from Micmac and starting on my own, um, I still went to Micmac and learned from Marvin. I'm like, who do I go for distribution? I'm like, you know what? If I can't make money off this guy, maybe I can get his knowledge and and learn the business because I didn't know the business well, obviously, because <laughs> you know. So I learned about what distributors to use, what not, who not to use, um, how to you know how to go about getting distribution. Um, how to promote your album, um, you know, everything. That whole staff of Micmac helped me do that, and that's how I, I branched on my own and learned a lot from that. Um, I never sold units like that again, but, you know, I learned a lot. It's eye-opening that um, the first three free, Freestyle Parade series, uh, volumes one, two, and three combined, sold 310,000 units plus, and you never saw yeah. a dime. Because if you were to multiply it times, you know, the $2.20 cents that they were going to give you, that that was a, a load of money. Yeah, almost about, almost three quarters of a million, I should have made. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. a reoccurring thing. We keep hearing it from almost every artist that comes on here on the Freestyle Club, is that, you know, either they go bankrupt trying to keep their career afloat, or, or they get close to it. How bad were you struggling yeah. at that time? Financially, you saying? Yes. You know, I, I think I was... It didn't bother me as much as it should have because I live with my parents. You know, my parents were so supportive. I mean, my mom said you could use my bedroom as a vocal booth and your bedroom as a studio. Like she was that cool that I felt comfortable. And I, you know, maybe I was very lazy. You know, <laughs> maybe when it came to that, I was a little spoiled. You know, um, but I know I would still. Mom, can I have money for lunch? Type of thing. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, at the same time, I was doing stuff for Hot Productions, and I was getting a grand here, 500 here. Yeah, I said 500, because sometimes that's what we got. And I'm looking at the contracts right now. Like, I see a $1,000 contract that I got, advance I got from Hot Productions and 12% royalties. They even broke it down by the penny when they're saying, well, if we use your songs for a compilation, you get $0.08 cents per song. I don't have never yet to see any money from that. Um same thing, you know, and then I see one I did for Dr. Javi when I helped distribute Dr. Javi's album. Same thing. You get a $1,000 and a royalty of 12%, which I had to split with Dr. Javi, and we split zero because we never got anything. What is your message to the artist that uh, may be saying these things about you when it comes to royalties and, you know, the money portion of it? Uh, does that bother you when that comes back to you, if it comes back to you, and you hear that people feel that you fucked them over? You know, sometimes they go, well, that advance money, why didn't I get anything of it? You know, a lot of times I produce this stuff for free. I remember doing 10 songs in one day. I didn't charge anybody for that. Um, 10 songs? Let's say I, I, I'd say, give me 500 a song. I should have gotten five grand. So if I got a $1,000 advance, it's still not what I should have made for producing 10 songs. Um, I wish I could have paid everybody. I wish. Like, how how... If I would have said, "Hey, I'm putting a compilation together. I'm gonna give you a hundred bucks, you a hundred bucks, you a hundred bucks, you a hundred bucks, and I'm gonna keep a hundred for me," I'm still gonna look like the bad, like I jerk people. Oh, this guy gave me a hundred dollars. The CDs in every store. You know, I, I, I haven't had many. I'm not saying none, but I haven't had many artists complain to me about royalties. I think I was very straight up when it comes to that. And I'm like, listen, this is how many we sold, and it, you can verify it. You know, like this, this, you know, I can show you what I pressed versus what I sold. You know, I had one artist that really would like went crazy and like, I want royalties and ended up, we sold at the time, 800 copies of the song. I'm like, all right, so it's a 10% deal. You get six, I get four of the producer. Think about, you know, the breakdown of that. 
and you're on a compilation, so you're getting like maybe five cents per, you know, per copy. Because you're not, the whole album isn't yours. You're not the songwriter. So what is that, 40 bucks? Did you put it all in one check or did, you know, did you give them a money order? No, I, I no, no money orders. I give a check. Like I remember, I'll never forget when Pure Pleasure was on Artistic and they got a royalty check. I forgot what the amount was. And they called me and said, I'm not cashing this. I'm like, what do you mean you're not cashing it? I've never got a royalty check ever, and I own part of Tasmania. You know, to hear that, and I was like, do me a favor, cash it. I'll give it right back to you when it comes back to you. And at the bank, you should send it to you at the end of the month. You get the check back. Right. I said, once it, once it clear, I'll send it back to you so you can frame it. Because he's like, I want to frame it. I'm like, I'll send it back. Just cash. Take your money. So so Pure Pleasure never saw a dime from Tasmania when there were Hot Productions or Metropolitan? Yeah, they never they never got a royalty. You know, that's, he was ecstatic. He was like, wow, you know. I was happy. But I, I wish he would have made more money. You know, I think when we did, I forgot what compilation I put him on with it, maybe Freestyle Parade 4. I don't remember. You were also the parent company when you went on your own. You were the parent company of CPR's Clubhouse. I want to say that I did get a royalty statement. I did uh, get a payment. It wasn't what I thought because the same feelings that you had with Micmac yeah. was the same feelings that I had with DMD and your and your distribution. And I take responsibility completely, and I've said this to all the artists on Freestyle Madness, that I take responsibility for not being savvy enough to understand music contracts or the music business, but I had no... It, I was 20 years old, and uh, I thought that I was going to rule the world. You know, I even quit college for a while because I thought I was going to make all these money with uh, artistic, and I was going to ride your coattails and you know Adelise was going to be a superstar and so was Jay Adams and, and so was the entire roster and uh, you know we did make money when it came to doing shows and we did make money doing promotions I remember one time you told me that the cassettes were all gone and I was so happy you know but um, yep. it's my responsibility to to know the rules of the game and um, if yeah. if you were uh, my Marvin Schlachter I would have never seen a dime so you know you, you gotta think about this like I, I, I look at it and when I released Sweet Out Parade 4 I think we did 2,000 CDs and 500 cassettes you know, distributors is what paid my royalty. I didn't get fifteen dollars a CD. That's the time I used distributors. So you figure I would get six to eight dollars per distributor per CD, right? So it depends on how many they will order. You give them a better price if they ordered more. So let's say I average a seven dollars a CD. If I sold two thousand CDs, which I didn't, I sold maybe fifteen hundred. Let's say two thousand CDs just to keep it. So what is that uh, fourteen thousand, right? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, fourteen thousand. Yeah. So if we're paying off, you know, we're paying, I don't know how many songs were on the album, 12, and you're paying everyone a 10% royalty, 6% for the artist, 4% for the producer, and you break it down by song, it comes out to be pennies. And, of course, when, you, when you, you're pressing that many CDs, it's very low quantity, and you still have to pay for artwork. You still got to pay for mastering. You still got to pay the same crap that I had to deal with you, you're really not making any money, you know. Did I make some money? Yeah, I could say I make some money. Um, so let's say I rounded off to fifteen thousand, say fifteen thousand, and that went to DMD. That had to pay me. That had to pay the artist. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I don't want to get too much into that story, but you know, this there was a, a partner with a with a, a hand in in the pocket the whole time, and you mean you that, know, money would you mean the hand in the cookie <laughs> jar and the hand in the bouncing yeah, you know, yeah, yeah money orders you know so you know like well I invested this much I invested more than you did into the company so most of this is my money not cool you know then we're like we did yours we did, I think a thousand CDs we pressed with yours and five hundred cassettes 
So, you know, it, it gets to that same point. I don't remember what the sales were exactly because I know we, you know, they weren't, we didn't sell exactly 1,500 because, of course, we gave some out. But so let's say 800 CDs and whatever, you know, 450 cassettes, you know, it's the same thing. It was not, it was not good because I didn't want, you know, to, to make you feel a certain way. You know, and I wanted you to make money. I wanted to make money and it's a horrible industry sometimes. It's a lesson learned, but I also hustled for CPR's clubhouse. You know, people got paid. They were the only artists in the area that was uh, represented that got paid and they got between 500 and $1,000 per show. So they can't say that they didn't make any money because they did. And the money was given to them in cash, in hand, and we'll be traveling all over Western Mass, Connecticut, New York. And we went to Philly, you know, and we just went around and, and did the circuit. You know, and we spend weekends. I would spend my own money, you know, for travel and everything. So, you know, they can't say that um, Diddy make some money. Did they become rich? No one did. We still, we, we have careers now, professional yeah. careers that have nothing to do with freestyle. You want to hear something funny? Like, I know before we did this, you know, started this interview thing, though, this podcast, sorry. I look for these contracts. I still have everything, every contract I've ever signed or done. Um and I, I found one here with Micmac Records. This is after I left Micmac. And I had to license my own songs from Micmac to release on the All-Star Mega Mix. So I had to give them $1,400 to use my songs. But check this out. You know I wasn't giving them $1,400. I'm like, you owe me hundreds of thousands. Right. So the, the agreement says to be applied to royalties due to artistic by Micmac. So they deducted that from my royalties that they owed me, that they never paid me. So I'm bugging out. I'm looking at it right now. The advance due to Micmac will be applied to royalties due artistic records by Micmac Records. So that's how I was able to use my songs. That was how I was able to use your song. At one year, we did New England Freestyle Classics, and I asked you, hey, can we do this compilation? We'll put CPR's Clubhouse stuff on there. We'll put artistic stuff on there. Just a big celebration for the for the culture, because at that time, they were trying to imply that freestyle was not part of the Puerto Rican culture, and I wanted to prove them wrong. And Willie's like, yeah, let's do it. And I was so scared. And he's like, don't be scared, man. You have my permission, and they owe me money, so they better take it out of my royalties. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they went out of business, and stuff but you know i i always appreciate that because we were able to put out this um important compilation out new england freestyle classics because of artistic and all the people that collaborated in it because again they were trying to say that freestyle is not part of the puerto rican culture and at that time we were bringing them tens of thousands of people to the puerto rican festival just because of freestyle you know, and I got to say, I did recoup, if I, you know, I want to be clear on something. I did recoup royalties from Micmac, but let me tell you how I did it. So I don't want to make this too lengthy, but I remember asking for my money and he says, you know what, I'll give you product. So I'm like, well, I can sell the product and make some money, have this money back. So he sold me my own CDs for like the, the he was charging me like I was a distributor. So you're going to give me $8 a CD. So if you take 800 CDs, I mean, 100 CDs, you're going to give me, you know, $800 that I owe you. So I would go in the back, take a bunch of CDs, a bunch of vinyl, a bunch of cassettes. He would, you know, his his guy would come and take account and say, okay, this is getting deducted from the royalties I owe you. So I was doing that for a good few months, right? So I would take that, send it to my distributor to sell it. So I had to hustle my own CD just to make any money. And to, to, to also uh, make you remember, 
you would travel from New York to Connecticut to Mr. Musica and even to the music center to try to unload some of those CDs yeah. and vinyl. Yep. Of course, you would do better with Mr. Musica because he was the man. Um, yeah. And I, I miss that store dearly. Um, you know, you used to travel, so you used to spend, you know, your gas money, your time coming here to try to, you know, unload those that, that product so you could make some money. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. The the stuff you learn and, you know, the mistakes you make. Um, and I don't want to be on this podcast saying, hey, I'm not guilty of nothing and I'm Mr. Saint. Um, you know, I'm not trying to clear my name for anything because I haven't had many people that tell me, oh, you jerked me. I've had some. Um, and do they want to hear my explanation? No, of course not. But um, I have a job. I've had a job for almost 15 years, right? So you, you do the math. <laughs> Artistic is what, 23 years old? So I was eight years struggling to, to, to make some money. And I said, you know, I need to get a job. You know, And that's how I fund what I do now. When people say, wow, you got all this, you have a house, you have this, you have a studio, you're making that artistic money. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they, they, what, what, they, what they don't understand is the days that you were in, you know, in Harlem, you know, in the studio all day, all night, and you didn't have anything in the refrigerator. And uh, you have moldy, cheesy uh, rice sitting on top of the yeah. counter, you know, with Philip Anthony ate by mistake. You got Poe staying with you, you know what I mean? And uh, there's uh, four items in the refrigerator, and he takes them all to make one meal for himself, you know? What was the hardest time, the lowest point in, in your music career? Was it that time? I was having fun regardless of I'm not wasn't making money. And that's why I think I love the music so much now because all I have is good memories. I don't think I needed money to make these good memories. Um, the people that I've met, the friends that I made through the music, that means more to me than money now. You know, like I, I, I've matured so much. Yeah, you have dreams when you're a teenager. When I started out with 17 and in your 20s, you're like, oh, man, I'm going to be P. Diddy. I'm going to do this. And... You, you you know, you have the attention of your friends and girls and, you know, it felt okay. I didn't mind. Um, then, you know, when I wanted to buy a car and it got repossessed, that's when it hit me. I'm like, wow, I couldn't afford a damn Saturn. I couldn't hold on to a Saturn. And I remember driving that Saturn one time. It was like a gold beige whatever color and i drove it to the diamante show and i never forget i'm backing up leaving and you know we signed autographs and everything and i, I remember uh, one of the artists say oh shoot the artistic money i'm like really for a saturn i got artistic money <laughs> well, it's kind of weird to hear people say that because if if you really look at it how many freestyle artists are making a living just off freestyle i mean can you count them with less than uh the fingers on one hand you think about it. Yeah. I mean, most, a lot of artists that you think that don't work are working. And I don't yeah. think it's bad that they're working. You know, I oh, know Cynthia, megastar. You know, she's a mega free artist. Yeah, but for me, it's like how many artists are actually making a living just off freestyle? It can't be more than three or four. Oh, no. I, I can imagine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was like Stevie, George, Kay. Uh, yeah, the top yeah. tier. But we're talking That's about yeah. we're talking about the people that you know are from the '90s, the the mid '90s and above. You know who's 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 doing that. Uh, Frankie J went to another total uh, different uh, aspect yeah. of music. I can say I had my Mickey moment with him, like you said that he turned down a uh, uh, Mark Anthony, although he lost on. A, I remember getting an email on my old AOL email address, artistic ninety five at aol dot com, getting an email from Frankie Boy. 
I like your productions. Uh, can you do some songs for me? And he showed me some songs that he did with whatever label he was on. thought it was horrible. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I would hear people say, oh, he's an amazing vocalist. I'm like, you're on crack? This guy doesn't sing good. <laughs> you know, like, not that he didn't sing good, but they recorded him so horrible that I didn't even give it a chance. And look at how big this dude got. So, Willie Valentine, strike one, Frankie J. Don't go breaking more. He's amazing now, don't get me wrong. Maybe he was amazing then, but those producers did him no justice at all. Yeah, the only gripe that I have with you, and it's something that you did indirectly, and maybe something that you didn't mean. Let's talk about the hot production days. You had to make ends meet. I know that reason. I don't want to make excuses for you. I'll let you tell your own story. But why sure. was it that you were churning out all these compilations that had a lot of filler shitty artists in them you get lost in the mix you think you're doing something good when you're really not you think oh, everyone's putting compilation this is what you need to do this is the right thing this is what what's happening now if you don't do it you're not doing the right thing you know you're not you know this is what you're supposed to be doing like i saw i learned this from tasmania like when i saw them put the first compilation i'm like what the hell's a compilation then they started cranking out 18 19 compilation i'm like wait a minute whoa 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 you know and then you get the perception they're making money didn't know if they were or not but I want to make money. Oh, I want to be down. Everyone's talking about artists. I mean, Tasmania. I want to, I want everyone to talk about my label. So I opened up AVP and GRW and God knows I don't remember the, the label that they were Hot Productions and Hot sold it to me like, yo, I'll give you a grand. I'll give you a grand. I'll give you a grand. I'll give you 1500 I'll give you 500 You know, it, it, it dwindled. You know, at one point you're like, 500 bucks? I need it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, but at the time, I can honestly say I don't. Th I didn't think these songs were that bad. I listen to it now, like, holy cow, what did I do? I remember you I telling me that uh, you found the demo under your bed on cassette and you put it on CD and sold it to Hot Productions. I remember that. Uh, I'm not yeah, about five or six songs like that, you know? Yep. Uh, and that, I got the idea from them. I'll never forget, Paul, Tom, do you have any demos of yourself? I'm like, yeah, I have the whole album demo that I did for On a Roll. That's how I got signed because I want that. I'll put it out. I'm like, it's on cassette. We'll master it. I want that. I remember yeah. um, some people changing their voices to sound like females. I, I remember that, um, and, and this is the great part that I'm telling you about, is the fact that you made a lot of people that didn't have any talent or filler artists that didn't have any talent seem important now in 2018 because they put out a song with you back in 1990-something and uh, they were a filler artist or something that you put in there um, just to put, you know, put it as in the compilation. And now they're big superstars in 2018 who need to be paid and be flown everywhere. So, you know, it's just that we created a monster back then. No, I agree. I, I think I did way too much. And I think now when I struggle to do songs is because I think I, I just wasted so many ideas on so many bad songs. You know, I, I regret it. Um, I, don't, I regret the music that I did. I don't regret the time because I, I had a good time doing it. But I could have put more. Like if you listen to a record that I did on AVP versus what I did on Artist, like think about One True Love Affair and think about something I put on GRW. Then you think about Cynthia, You Were Meant For Me or Marisol, Beginning of the End versus, you know, something I put on AVP or whatever the other labels I had. It's a big difference when you take, you know, 10, 15 hours or 20 hours to produce a record versus I did a, a song, I did an album in one day. Big difference. You think you're doing good. Like, wow, I'm breaking records. I can put a whole album out one day. That's your ego. And then <laughs> I'm here, you know, 20 something years later going, why did I do that? 
And that's the unfortunate part that you have to deal with now in 2018, especially me. I have to deal with people that were filler artists back in 1990-something because they were part of your compilation. They were the ninth track of a horrible 11-track uh, compilation where there was only one song that was good and it was not them. And now in 2018, because of social media, oh my God, I'm this person from this person. I'm this person from that group. And I'm, I was on uh, GRW17, track 11, you know? Mm-hmm. And you just yeah. you sit back and you're like, oh, Shut the fuck up. You suck then, you suck now. That's a simple solve. You just say, what have you done since then? Oh, that's the end of the conversation. I can talk about some positive things that you did do, and that was um, you always had to be the referee with uh, the members of Vocal Image, where you could have just dumped all three of them. You actually gave them an opportunity to shine individually. You did that in the GRW series. You did that on Freestyle Parade Volume 3. You allowed these guys to grow individually, where now in 2018, they're doing individual things. They have the Angel Mena NSR. We have the Julio Mena Melody Monster. Fred Nye's doing stuff with Sasan and Reza Records, so you did create these these good branches um, out of you know some of the dumpster fires yeah. that you had. I do remember fondly some of the songs that were on your compilations. Uh, Alicia Mycinet, AM. I, I enjoyed okay. the, the the music that she put out. Um, discovering yeah. the roots of Kuala Bay, where you had Thoughts of You, which was released recently on their album, which featured yourself and George Anthony. Freeze, of course. Philip Anthony. Two artists that made their name because they were featured on AVP. And one that actually relocated and married somebody here in Massachusetts. You know, so yeah. a lot of, you know, you, you had the sound view crew. Um, I do miss, um, and I've just, these are all coming off the top of my head. I didn't write anything down. You know, I remember uh, us celebrating each other's accomplishments here and this being a hotbed for artistic. You know, here we are still in 2018 and people still resent the fact that this is artistic country in uh, New England. And they get upset when, when they hear that, but they don't understand the blood, sweat and tears that you had to shed to make a name for yourself yeah. here. And it's funny how people say, oh, like I get people hit me up all the time. Oh, I want to book you and your crew. I'm like, I don't have a crew. I don't have one anymore. You know, it's like I don't I honestly say I have nothing negative to say about any artist who left me. Or, you know, we just stopped working. I'm not saying it in a bad way, like we broke up. But, you know, and I, 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 I applaud them for branching off and doing their own thing. I never got mad and said, well, you're going to fail without me. No, no. I want everyone to flourish and do their own thing. Um, but I don't have a crew. You know, the, 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 the artistic is not that anymore. Uh, uh, artistic is very family-oriented. Um, not saying that I, I, I would never produce another artist. But right now, it's just me, my 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 wife and my daughter and, and maybe that opposite order my daughter my wife and me you know and then of course george anthony uh you know and i still consider pose like someone that will have my door open always to do a song for him um koala bear course um you know i, I would i would love to do a, a vocal image record i would love to do a reunion album you know um but it's it just you know, I guess the the things that have happened in the past and, hey, everything I'm saying, what I've said today, you may have artists that are listening going, he's full of shit. He stole my money. He didn't get jerked. He made money. Look at his car. Look at his house. But they don't they don't look at what I do from nine to five, what, six days a week. One thing that <laughs> Philip Anthony stated, because um, Philip Anthony and I had a discussion about this, was that a, a lot of the artists that were signed to Artistic, they sat back and they waited for you to do everything. Um, there was a time where, and I've said this before, and this is fact, 
where people would wait for you to put out a compilation or for you to tell them, hey, come on down so we could do a new song so they could come out with something new. They always waited. They waited for you to promote them. They waited for you to uh, book them for shows. They waited for you to do all the work and then they would have their hand out and wanting you to pay them for everything that they did for you when you were the one who actually did most of the work. You know, I never promised anyone shows. I don't think any label promises that. Um, and if I did get booked, I try to include them. So maybe they, they looked at it and they, well, Will's getting paid. Why, why am I not getting paid? Well, you weren't booked. And I, I don't get booked like that. Don't get me wrong. But I would say because of One True Love Affair, that's how I got my bookings. And they go, oh, well, you have artists now. You want to you want to have them open up? That was usually the deal. Or I would sell it. Like, hey, can we get my artist to open up? I can get this artist to open up. Um so I don't know if the artist looked at it as like, well, whoa, whoa, we're all get, we got booked. No, we did not get booked. That's not the that day. The request wasn't for artistic artists. The request was for One True Love Affair. There really wasn't really Valentine. It was, oh, can you perform One True Love Affair? And I would do my best to promote my artist. And if I can get somebody else on to open, that's what I would do. And I couldn't bring 12, 15 artists to open up. It doesn't work that way. What are the odds that you would be able to squeeze out another compilation with the, the old artist from Artistic? Right now, it doesn't look too good because I just don't have time. Like, it's just amazing how I had to even schedule this time to do this. Like, right now, I would probably be still working on my laptop on my lap, watching TV and doing work for work, you know, my regular job. My job is very demanding. And um, weekends are family time. You know, I work so hard that I'm like, I need to spend time with my family. My daughter's getting big too fast. You know, I have two. I have a granddaughter already. You know, I have a daughter who's going to be 30 next year. Um, I love my family. It's all about family. And I, I would love, you know, before my family was artistic. That's it. You know, I had all these artists, Wendy and Pose and Vocal Image and George and, um, you know, L.D. Ross, Michael Anthony. And I still have a lot of love for all of them. It's, it's just that it's different now. You have, you know, like when you, you have a different type of family. Um, would I love to do it? Yeah. And I would love to produce each and every one of those songs, but I feel like I don't know if I have the mental capacity to do it anymore. You know, yeah, because and like I said earlier, with all this craziness going on in freestyle right now, you know, the only thing missing right now is an artistic release. This is Freestyle Club with your hosts, the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes. And CPR, Jose Ortiz. When I mention these names, what do you think? Because people are always asking, where are these artists? What happened to them? Would you be able to answer some of them? Yeah. Okay. Rosemary Lopez. She was on volume one. I forgot how I met her, and she was very. I think I met her at Fever Records. I think I used to hang out there. I was an engineer at the studio, and um, you know, uh, she was talented. I had her do backgrounds for Coral, uh, for a record that me and Michael Anthony did for Coral, and um, at the same time we finished her song. She didn't know what freestyle was. She was more into like the you know she was trained. She was a trained vocalist. I remember her performing for the first time with us on an artistic show. I forgot where it was. Maybe it could have been in Massachusetts, and she heard someone say, let's keep freestyle alive, and she comes up to me and says, am I doing music that's dead? <laughs> I don't want to do this. 
she asked for a release and I granted to her right away. I'm like, listen, this now you know this is the music that you know was very popular in the eighties. You know, this is nineteen ninety five now. Um but you don't have to do it. And she's like, How do I do? I said, You gotta give you know, you have to request a, a release from your contract. I said, I'm just not gonna rip the paper, it doesn't work that way. I said, Let's do it legally. And that's what we did. And we parted ways in a good way. It wasn't like, Hey, go F yourself and I want to apologize because uh, that was the artistic record release party here in Chicopee, Massachusetts. And so after that performance, she was no more. She did one performance and that performance was for us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Blame CPR for that one, I guess. Tamasy. I, well, like I mentioned before, I mean, she, you know, she would, you know, I met her through um, David Trejo and Fantasma, George Mercado, um, and they were a group. So we did that first song, I think, with an AVP. Yeah. And Latin, I always thought she was really talented. The Latin yeah. Heritage. Yep. So I I did a remix of that song on Micmac, and then I said, hey, do you want to do If You Should Ever Be Lonely? You know, me and Michael produced it. And, um, you know, we did the vinyl. At, at we did you know a, a single on it. We had, it was on a compilation. We got a good buzz in the clubs for it. We had different remixes and um, it just I thought I was going to get added on on KTU back in the day because it was you know a song that everyone knew. She she rocked it vocally, so I don't see how it wouldn't. And I remember Marvin telling me, "So you think this record should be on the radio?" I'm like, "Absolutely." So he gets his whole staff into the office and says, "I'm going to play a record. What do you think?" And everyone's like, "That shit is the bomb." Oh my God, that should be on the radio. After that, just that's it. That was the last conversation about it. Never went anywhere. And she was wondering what happened with royalties and never got any. Um, we were still friends. Though. I remember she was there for me when I had a bad breakup. She was, you know, she she, she came over and just, you know, consoled me and, and tried to keep my spirits up. And it was, you know, she was a friend, you know, but um, little by little, we just faded away and she just didn't record anymore. Lorenzo Delon. <laughs> Oh, that's my boy still. I mean, that's, I love that he's doing his thing and uh, he's producing and he DJs and um, you know he he that record we put on twenty um, this is Freestyle twenty seventeen um, he released it originally himself. I just licensed it for the for the compilation and did remastering on it. Um, but um, we're still friends. You know he does his thing. I, I don't think he would say no to doing a new record. You know. So I think we have that. We still have that that strong bond that he would do a new record. TC Tito Clemente. He moved to Florida. We're friends on Facebook. We don't we chat all the time. I know he he would be down. He, you know he's very close to Wendy. I met him through Wendy. Um, he's a hairstylist. He's on the salon now in Florida. But um, I think if I say, hey, you want to do a reunion, he'll he'll jump on it. I don't think he has any any reservations about doing a song. What do you think about the new Wendy record?
I like it. Um, I actually bought it. I like the production that the Santana twins do. I can say they're the producers as of late, the last few years, who have motivated me to step up my game or to get back into it because they their productions do motivate me. You know, I got to give them that kind of props because they are producers that um, they do something in their records that I'm like, oh man, I want to do a record now. You know, I, I told them that as well. When I see them, I'm like, you know, I, I did this. Uh, when I did um, um, No One Like You or someone like uh, my last record, I don't even remember the title of it. <laughs> um, so they motivated me to, to go back in the studio and do that record and finish up my last, my wife's last single. And, you know, that that's that their, their tracks as of late have motivated me. Okay, one more. And you already know where I'm going with this one. Marisol. I know she doesn't like me, and, and, and I, don't, I don't blame her. You know, I don't blame her. Um, things happened, you know, with, you know, she she got a name out there and uh, definitely felt that she should have made money. Um, I, I, I can give you an example of, of one situation, and I'm not trying to make excuse. We did a show in Chicago, and they booked her. This was the, the time that, they said, you know, we want to book Marisol. Can I bring the artistic crew? Oh, Okay. And it was Pose, me, Marisol, Michael Anthony, Wendy. I don't. It was a bunch of us. It was Joaquin, Illinois. We did the show, and the promoter goes, "Oh, I'm gonna give you your money in a little bit. Give me one second. Dips out. I'm beeping him because this is the beeper days. The next ticket, we're leaving. We drove to Chicago. Yeah, I'm gonna have to Western Union the money. You know, you know the story there. Never got. Now was her money because they booked her, not me, not the other artist. They booked her. And you know, it wasn't something. To, what what do I say? What, what what do I do at that point? It's not like I had the money in my pocket. To, Here here's your money. I'm gonna give it to you because I have it. Didn't have it. Um, you know, we were. I think we were good good friends. And you know, it's funny. After that, we still kept recording because we did Parade Three. Why can't you tell me? I don't blame her to think the way she to feel and think the way she does feel and think. I don't blame her. She should have made money. Was she able to do shows on those with those songs, or did she have to get your permission or pay you anything no, on those songs? To, you know, think about it. Like they, everybody went through me, and I think the fact that that went sour in that that show in Chicago, why would she trust me to book her another show? You know, um, but she was always free to book herself, though. Uh, that's, oh, you know, of course, is, absolutely. Is yep. 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 So yeah, that, that's what I don't understand. I can understand people have hard feelings or whatever, but hey, listen, you got screwed, and, and you said, you know what, I'll do it on my own. So, if if she was free to sing those songs without even having to give you a, a piece of the the pie, you yeah. could have done it on herself, or, or maybe she didn't. Just so disgusted that she didn't want to do anything after that. It's sad because I I thought I was, we were we were good friends, and you know, again, also she was there for me when I had my bad breakup. In the past, and and she was she was nice. She wrote my song on Freestyle Parade Three. It's sad. I mean, but I I blame myself because if I was a better business person, I would have gotten her paid. You know, I wish I would. I was making a steady income. I'm like, you know what? She shouldn't take the loss. Let me pull out of my pocket. I wasn't in that type of situation. I couldn't do that. It sucks. You know, it sucks. I, that was the the artist that I think that hurt me the most to lose because it was in very bad terms. Um, I don't. I really we released some of her tracks before, but not in any way to throw it in her face. It was more like, man, I loved working with her, and I, I remixed her songs because I think everyone should hear her songs. She was super duper talented, vocally and as a writer. 
from what I understand, Judy Torres' favorite. Judy Torres, I remember, even played it on KTU. Why can't you yep. tell me? Beginning of the end. She played both songs. And uh, the greatest uh, female voice to ever come out of New England. That's my tagline for her. Uh, because she did two songs and her legend still lives all these years later. It cast a big shadow over the entire New England area. I bumped into her after that, after all that stuff. She was always respectful. And she would say hi. And, you know, I would say hi. She would say hi. It wouldn't be long conversations. Uh, and I know deep inside she was like this mother she didn't you know she didn't like me and i and i can't blame her. i'm not gonna say hey i didn't do good i didn't do good by her because she should have gotten paid she should have been you know her records were playing on the radio she did ask for royalty i remember and i'm like we didn't we didn't get any and of course why should she believe that when she didn't get her money from the show now she's not getting royalties i would not like myself either i mean i don't dislike marvin i don't dislike paul klein at hot productions because i learned from all this I think I'm better now than I was in those days, even though I don't put as many records out. I make a check every week from, from my, my downloads, so I'm happy about that. Not, it doesn't pay my mortgage, but it's something, you know? So I learned all about this industry from, you know, I guess being jerked or whatever you want to say, but I learned a lot. I, even though I didn't get the money from these, these, these past experiences, I learned the industry. Whether it's good or bad, I learned Everything that I know now, I learned from those experiences. And I, I don't say, you know, I, I dislike Marvin. I don't. I actually got along with him. He was straight up. He told me, I'm a legal thief. I don't, I'm not going to pay you, but I'll pay you to do, I'm not going to pay you royalties, but I'll pay you to do an album. <laughs> you know, I remember taking that deal. I'm like, I got to get some money, but that's my fault. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't learn things about jerking people. I, that, I definitely didn't want to do that ever. That wasn't never my intentions, but, um, yeah, I learned a lot. I'm It'd glad a, that you came uh, on the Freestyle Club to to at least talk about it. I just want to make it clear that I don't have anything against Mickey or Marvin, but you know, people want to say, oh, make Mickey, you know, ripped everybody off. No, Mickey got ripped off himself. That's why he had to sue Marvin to get, you know, to keep the company name and to own it. So, you know, I was in Mar at Mickey's house all the time. You know, we used to hang out. He's well, he's producing stuff. At, Mickey was a great guy. He is a great guy. So I I don't have a problem with Mickey. I don't have a problem with Mick Mac. You know, like, I, it made me who I am. Once You Love Fair is my biggest record, but um, artistic is because of Mick Mac. You know, even though we started first with Tasmania Hot, and I think the best move was bringing it over to Mick Mac, and everything that artistic is, is because of Mick Mac. They spent that money to put me in Tower Records. I was on end caps. I was in newspapers. Um, so I, I have to thank them. I have to. There's, there's not, you know, everything else, that's on me. I have one memory when Lorenzo Delon's uh, Don't Turn Our Love Away was first released. You came with a bunch of records. And the good thing about that time was that Hot Production would send me everything. So you came and you gave me a copy of uh, Don't Turn Our Love Away. And I already had received one from Hot Productions. Uh, the difference was that on, yeah, the, on, on the one that they sent me, it said Tasmania Records presents artistic records, you know. And I know that you took a, a um, an eraser, you erased Tasmania Records off of all of them. Which was hilarious. That was a horrible deal, man. That was a horrible deal because, so imagine they're getting the 12% from Hot Productions. I'm getting 5% that I have to split with Lorenzo Delon now. <laughs> and I lost all publishing because we get they keep everything. So 
That's not cool, man. <laughs> you are a person that have um, launched a lot of careers of good artists. I want you to understand, too, that you've had a positive influence, especially in New England. That's why we awarded you the first ever Clubhouse Dance Music Freestyle Hall of Fame Award. Because if you go down the list, there wouldn't be any freestyle in New England. There wouldn't be even bad freestyle in New England if it wasn't for you uh, because you helping others help them have their own stuff. I remember you coming here and helping Idol Maker Records. I remember you helping Larry V put out his Freestyle City Kids. You you put out CPR's Clubhouse. So just by saying those things at least Jay Allums. You have Miranda Michelle. You have Vishali who threw up in your studio at, at your mom's house. You have the, the men from Vocal Image. Uh, Julio, Angel, uh, Fred Nice. You got Marisol. You got Pose. You got Freeze. You got Philip Anthony. The list goes on and on of people that you've assisted or you have given an opportunity to have a career in freestyle. And especially all those filler artists that you put in your compilations on, on Hot Productions who now feel that they're um, legends. You've touched a lot of lives, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, I don't think that um, you should be ashamed of that. I know that you're not, but... No. Yeah, I, I say I feel very lucky to have worked with those artists, the ones you mentioned, um, because they're the ones who wrote the songs and they're the ones who had the voices that motivated me to do those productions for them. So you hear the differences when you, you think about some of the bad records I've done in the 90s and the vocalists that weren't that great, and then compared to someone like a Marisol, and listen to the production I did on beginning to the end. That wasn't going to be done for any Joe Schmo. That was done because Marisol's voice, you know, and she wrote an amazing song. That is the motivation that I don't think I have now. I don't have those writers and that team around me anymore to write those songs and to those vocals. My wife and my daughter, thank God they can sing, because um, if I didn't have them, I. You know, I'm not the greatest vocalist in the world. Not, I never said I was, and I, I know I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm an okay singer. <laughs> um, but when I hear them, it motivates my daughter. It's like um, I, it's amazing to me. She's 10 years old now. She she started picking up an instrument, the, the ukulele of all instruments on 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 a Friday, and on Monday she's already singing songs and she knows chords and she can sing and play the ukulele at the same time. That motivates me. That's a prodigy yeah. right there. No, she, she's me. My, yeah, and I'm like, so she, she learned a ukulele. I'm getting her a guitar next because she can play. She knows her notes. She knows the fingering, everything. I mean, it's amazing to me. And that's motivating to me. And my wife are like, wow, what the heck? Wow. You know? And my, my wife is amazing also. I mean, her voice, she sounds like no one else, you know? I, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad about any other vocalist, but you, when you hear a Cynthia Figueroa song, you know the difference. Her voice is different from everyone else the original version of one true love affair i thought could not be touched because the background vocalist for that debbie cole and i'm like that song can't be touched and then you know fast forward to the one true love affair uh, uh remake and your wife does debbie cole's part and i'm like she fucking killed it she just blew everybody away and now i have a piece of mind
And for a long time, I would say, you know, if you want to make a song better, put a little Cynthia Figueroa on it. You know, anytime that you hear Cynthia with Angel Mena, Artie, with George Anthony, with, with you, Willie, I, it's just put a little Cynthia in it and it's just amazing vocals. She's been requested a lot of times, a lot of times. And on the new Lily Rose track, she, she's going to be in the backgrounds also. And they sound so good together because you know, Lily has a lot of Cynthia's uh, vocal ability and tone that it sounds like, is it Lily singing that part or, or Cynthia? Like, you, um, I can't wait. You showed me um, Lily's song, and you know, because you sent me or you let me hear demos, and so you called me and you said, "Hey, um, I want you to listen to this." You didn't tell me who it was. You didn't say anything. I heard it. I'm like, "Did he send a new artist? Who's this female that is singing?" so vividly and, and so brightly and, and sounds amazing. And then you tell me, is your 10-year-old daughter Lily Rose? And I'm like, but but she sounded so different a year ago. Like, she sounds like a mature adult on the new song. I'm like, how that happened? Yeah. yeah she's, she's, she's so good, man. She's I don't want to force her to do anything. If she wants to do it, she does it. Her grades are good, so she deserves to do whatever she wants to do as far as, you know, extracurricular things. Subscribe to the Freestyle Club. On Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Stitcher. The Freestyle Club. The Freestyle Club. Let's talk freestyle. So watching you on Facebook Live, I understand that you're working on a couple of tracks. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, it's no secret. I, I, <laughs> I did the well. I did the George Lamont this year, but it's not an artistic song, but it's an artistic remix, right? So at the same time, um, CPR reached out and put a uh, uh, idea together with Alisa B and and to write a song for for K of TK, and um, so that's almost done, and and, and it's like ninety five percent there, and it's been what since February? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and I know Kay probably like this dude, man. You know, it, it, when I first started, I had the time. And then once he gave me the vocals, I stopped having that time to, to finish it. But I'm there. I'm just got to, you know, I'm going to mix it with Edwin Ramos because I want the quality to be top notch for Kay. Um, that, uh, the duet with my wife and me, we're doing another duet called Tonight. So we brought that, you know, there's something we wrote two years ago and we never finished it. We wanted to, to feature a different male vocalist. I'm like, you know what? Let's just do this song. So we, we got that coming. Uh, my wife had a, her own song uh, called Tell Me Why that George Anthony wrote originally for Adelise. And then uh, Adelise decided to do a different record. So then um, my wife heard it. She liked it. And um, that's another record that it's almost there. It's produced by Jay Allums. Um, but since Jay, we, we he was missing in action for a while, I just added my own production to it. It's a mixture of myself and Jay Allums on this on this track. Um yeah, so the, and then the Lily Rose, that song's called Magical, that that um, she wrote the lyrics to. So that's that's a, a few projects that are, we're working on to release. And since there's a whole vinyl craze, you know, I said, why don't we just put those four songs on one vinyl? So that's going to oh. be my project that I want to do. That's cool. You hear that, all you vinyl DJs? Get that wallet out. Four club mixes in one vinyl. TKA, Willie Valentine, Cynthia Figueroa. Lily Rose. What do yeah, we, we, we put the order in? What? <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I'm not even I'm not even caring. I'll tell you, I'm not rich, but I'm like I don't even care about making money off this stuff. It's just right now, I'm at this point that like, I want to put it out. This is a memory for my daughter, um, for my wife. My wife, you know, this is her dream. It never stopped being her dream. So I want to help her 
achieve all her dreams you know that this is it's so weird i don't if i think about what i how i used to think 20 years ago how i think now is just so different you know before like yeah i want to get girls i want to make money i want to be rich i want to be popular i just want to make people happy right now <laughs> that's all i want to do i want to be happy you know it's just it's weird it's a good, good weird luck though. making everybody happy that doesn't happen in freestyle man <laughs> Well, at least the people, at least the artists that I'm working with right now, like I would love to do another George Anthony record. Like I want to actually produce a George Anthony record. Me and him, he has great ideas just to find the time that we can both be here to jam again and write a song from scratch and put the beats together and get his ideas in there because he's very talented himself. Um, you know, and Pose, and he, he calls me, you know, every so often. He's like, well, let's do a song. And I would love to do another song for Pose. Once I get this... Because I, 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 you know, I've been in the same job for almost 15 years, but I got a different position now. Once I get more of a grasp on what I'm doing, it it calms down a little bit. I'll have more time for, to do more records and definitely Pose and hopefully Wendy as well. You know, sounds like an artistic reunion there. You said George Anthony, Wendy, Pose, your wife, yep. your daughter, you. We we already got a new compilation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I don't want to call it a compilation. If it happens, it happens. I, I, just, I would like to. I would like to hear something new from Freeze, just for old time's sake. Um, I'd love to also. You need to knock the dust off Anthony Phillips and and, uh, and uh, get him on. Philip Anthony. Philip Anthony. Yeah, I said his name backwards. Uh -huh. That's how much I miss him. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony Phillips. Yeah. He, he has no interest in doing it anymore. He, you know, he's going to the comedy thing. I know if I asked him, hey, you know, do you want to do a compilation? You know, someone a compilation as a reunion. He would do it. Um, oh, that's a coincidence because every time I heard him sing, I laughed. So I. I... <laughs> that was my joke when I did the roast. <laughs> and boy, did that go over well. It's all in the delivery, man. It's all in the delivery. I've never seen delivery. I've never seen Willie Valentine so nervous than the Rosa Philip Anthony, and uh, he did so so bad he did well. He doesn't understand. I wanted him to bomb bad so he could see how good he was. Yeah, I'll never do that again. <laughs> this is the Freestyle Club Pick Hit of the Week. Welcome to the Pick Hit of the Week. It is customary to let the guests go first. So, Willie Valentine, what is your Pick Hit of the Week? All right, so it's the new song by Lily Rose, my daughter, and since it's Rose's daughter, Magical. Remember where you heard it first, right here on the Freestyle Club. Another. Unknown admin, what is your pick of the week? I pick Take Me by Koala Bay. It's track number 11 on the Mood uh, Swings album. And I took it because you get Freestyle and Godzilla all in one track. <laughs> 
Yep. You got it. I love it. I love it that you said that. That's exactly what it said on the track. On the actual sample, it says Godzilla. My pick of the week comes to you from Wendy, if I tell you. Willie Valentin, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Freestyle Club. Where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on MySpace. Willie Valentin, you can find me also on Mi Gente. I and didn't I'm say MySpace. <laughs> Black Planet. No, 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 no. Um, that, was, that, was, that was Philip Anthony's favorite, Black Planet. No, his was Asian Avenue. <laughs> I'll never forget that. He was my roommate. <laughs> All right. So you can find you can find me on Facebook, Willie Valentine, Instagram, Willie Valentine, Twitter, Willie Valentine One. Everything should be Willie Valentine. Only Twitter says Willie Valentine One because someone took that name. I don't know who took it, but until next time, peace, love, and freestyle.